Hey friends, Joe here. And if you like our Boss Better Now podcast, then you should also be getting my free Boss Better emails. Every other Monday, I'll send you a simple note with advice, encouragement, and resources to help you boss better. Just text the word Boss Hero to 66866 to get signed up. That's Boss Hero, all one word, to 66866. Or you can visit bossbetternow.com to subscribe. Now let's get to the podcast. If it seems as though some on your team just don't care anymore, we're going to talk about why that's happening. Oh, and a note, it's not just about COVID and burnout. Plus, the first question every new boss should ask to get off on the right foot with new direct reports. We're glad you're here now on Boss Better Now. You're listening to Boss Better Now. Please welcome speaker, author, and hat collector, Joe Mall. Some of you are listening on your commute. Some of you are listening during your workout. Some of you are listening at lunch or while cooking a meal. Wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for being here. We are so glad that you chose to join us on our show Boss heroes like you, people who strive every day to be better bosses but don't always know how, we hope have found a home here where we dispense advice and encouragement and a little bit of humor to act as food for the boss soul. Joining me is my fantastic co-host, professional coach, Alyssa Mullet. Greeting, my friend. Greetings. Not one greeting. Not singular. Greetings, my friend. Greeting. (laughs) No, that no, that's live long live and long prosper. prosper. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like you blended. Was that like a Mork and Mindy meets Star Trek right there at the same time? Is that what happened? Uh, greetings. <laughs> no, that, that was Nanu Nanu, right? Nanu, I was just Nanu. responding in kind. I felt. <laughs> Well, we've gotten off to a chaotic foot here with plenty of 80s references. So we've we've really retained that Gen Z audience here right off the bat. Go us. <laughs> we are who we are. We got to go okay. for it. Well, I'm so glad to, that you're here today, my friend, because I want to talk about um I want to talk about apathy. Have you been feeling apathetic lately about anything? Hmm. I don't I might need a refresher on the con the whole context of of apathy. So can you give me like a definition? <laughs> May I have it in a sentence, please? No, I just need a refresher on the difference, I guess, between apathy and all the other words I want to use. <laughs> disinterest, uh, sure. burnout, like all of the other things. Yeah, yeah. There's some interconnectedness to everything that people are experiencing right now, right? Um, so apathy really is defined as a lack of interest, a lack of enthusiasm or concern. Um, and so, you know, I think people experience that as just a lack of get up and go or a, a sense of, I don't care. Mm. And, um, I think we all have probably felt that in certain ways about certain things in recent months. I mean, I, I've experienced it. There are some things that I do here at work that I've long been passionate about and been driven and have found myself going, yeah, whatever. You know, uh, I, I think it's human nature to experience apathy periodically around certain things. Um, I think it is something that 
even pre-COVID, a lot of leaders struggle with. They could, they would see an employee and feel like they're just going through the motions or they're just doing the minimum. And they would say, why don't they have any enthusiasm for this? Why don't they have any interest in it? Why don't they seem to care? And now, with everything that we've all been through for so many months, I think that's just occurring at a higher level and with a greater frequency. So with that definition as a backdrop, have you experienced apathy around anything lately? For sure. Uh, I have experienced it in my life as this counterbalance to what I have foundationally thought of myself in terms of this very deeply empathetic person that there has to be some kind of balance because you cannot cannot healthfully digest the world as it is right now empathetically all the time. Yes. There has to be a limit to what you will put your mental health through in order to continue to have any will to be a part of humanity. So I have absolutely kind of embraced at some points apathy, disassociation, (laughs) however you want to, you know, all the means to which to obtain a little bit of that apathy. Yeah. And let's acknowledge that that fleeting apathy is completely normal around almost anything. Nobody is turned up to 11 on their motivation on everything all the time, right? Nobody is is completely on fire every day about like, I'm changing the world with this report that I'm putting together, this accounting spreadsheet. Like, you know, there are, it's completely normal to come to work some days and be like, eh, this part of my job probably isn't my favorite. I guess I'm just going to get it done, grind <laughs> through it. These TPS reports really do it for me. I mean, that's why I get out of this right, bed in right. the morning. Uh, there wasn't a cover sheet on yours, though, so I'm going to need to see you. Yeah, I'm going to need you yeah. to come in tomorrow. Um, by the way, for, for anybody listening, that's a reference to the movie Office Space, which would probably be a pretty great escape for you right now if you've not seen that movie. Well, we, uh, in our, our Boss Better Leadership Academy, our, our subscription program, we did a coaching clinic recently on apathy. This was something that that our subscribers had kind of started to talk about and said, you know, we, we want some help around this or some insight around it. Um, and so I spent some time kind of going deeper on, like, where are the root causes of apathy? Uh, and what I took to that coaching clinic and what I want to share today with our boss heroes is, uh, in most cases, not all, because very few things have absolutes tied to them, but in most cases, we can trace apathy back to one of four root causes. And the first is, no, to nobody's surprise, burnout, right? Uh, burnout is really about no longer having the the um, the drive or the skills to cope with what is being put in front of you. And so um, if you are experiencing apathy in the workplace from some of your direct reports right now, this is probably the most likely culprit because burnout is at an all-time high. We are experiencing unprecedented levels of burnout and exhaustion, two different things, across nearly every industry uh, because of, of everything that we've all gone through for the last two years. But here's the thing. Burnout was at an all-time high before COVID. 
And so we got to remember that too, that you know, work has been hard for a long time and the constant encroachment of it on our lives and the many things that people are asked to deal with outside of work and all the different ways that we tend to grind and deplete people of their emotional capital can lead to burnout. And so if the root cause of apathy is burnout, uh, what we need folks for folks in most cases is some kind of change of scenery. Right? Maybe they need a change in their duties. Maybe they need a change in their schedule. They need some more time away. They need an adjustment of their workload. Maybe they need to, to, to be surrounded by different coworkers for a time. Um, you know, Getting away or a change of scenery in some respects is likely the only cure for burnout, but that is one of the root causes of apathy. You want to comment on that before I go on to the next one, Alyssa? No, no, no. I, I concur. I, for me... Apathy <laughs> has been a necessary introduction, but yeah. certainly there are experiences where folks are not wanting to feel apathy. Right. And, and so that's uh, certainly what I can appreciate, this kind of unwillingness to stay in this place, because it's not healthy to stay there either, obviously. Yeah. But, but I completely take your point that we still at times need to give ourselves permission to feel it. Because that's yeah. like we said, we got to normalize that nobody is like all oh, go all the time, and that yeah. that's just a recipe for other kinds of health problems. For sure. Uh, so if if people aren't burned out at work, one of the other reasons you might have people who are showing up in an apathetic way is because of low morale. So morale is this sense of why bother. Right. And, and there's a lot of different experiences that employees can have that can lead to low morale. So, for example, if they have a toxic coworker who's getting away with murder, right, who is is acting out or or not doing as much as everybody else. And there's never a consequence for that bad behavior. A person's going to look around and say, why bother? And that's going to impact morale. Another example might be uh, if I have a boss who takes credit for my work, right? I'm, I'm busting my hump and I'm too, trying to do great work and make a lot of change. Uh, but when the time comes, it, it, the light never gets shined on me and I don't get credit for that work. So it's like, why, why bother? Um, you know, there's uh, for, for employees who maybe start to believe there's no future for them at their employer, Right. If if they've been passed over for opportunities or they're in a position that just has no opportunity for advancement, they may start to have low morale. They may start to say, why bother? And they may then start to show up apathetically with a lesser level of enthusiasm. So burnout is a root cause. Low morale is a root cause. Uh, the third potential root cause for apathy uh, is what I see as a lack of purpose. They do not see their work as making a difference. They, they are unable to see the impact their work has on the lives of others or on a problem that is worthy of being solved. And now maybe that's because their efforts are ignored or maybe it's because it feels like they're um, – I just totally lost the analogy that I wanted to use. What's that analogy about like the ocean? Like they're they're trying to, to raindrop in the ocean or something like that. That's the <laughs> – Yes, something something like that. I, I I understand what you're going for, even though I don't know the whole thing. It completely went I, I was away. To, it's okay. Maybe it'll come back. Can I say something Please. about rescue me, I, save me <laughs> from the ocean that you can't remember? Um, so I think what I am understanding the difference between morale and purpose is this. The morale is kind of centered off of 
this concept of why bother because of these other people, right? Because of other mm. people's actions, right? Um, versus purpose is more of this internalized directional of meaningful, right? Yes. And what you're maybe it's maybe it's beliefs versus experiences. That's a great way of thinking about it. I'm having these experiences with other people, and it's it's making me think, uh, why bother? And that's that's low morale, which leads to apathetic behavior. But internally, if I don't see that my work is having an impact, if I don't feel that, if I don't have that belief internally for one reason or another, then that can also lead to burnout. Perfectly well said. Did so it come I, back to you yet? I don't know. <laughs> There's some kind of it's great gone. analogy about trying to shovel all the water back in the ocean when I was going to try to use. And it, I like opened my mouth and there was total silence in my brain. And I was like, oh, well, that, that didn't happen for me. But <laughs> Listeners, when you get done listening <laughs> to this episode, let us know what that was that Joe was thinking. Yeah, know yeah I know, know. Some people are Someone right out there. there knows. Yep, that's exactly right. Um, but it, 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 you know, it's a lack of mattering is what I'm trying to get at with with purpose. Um, and so that's the potential third root cause of apathy. I have one more, and it's really kind of broad, but I call it personal. You know, sometimes people are not able to show up at at work with enthusiasm or interest because of things that are going on with them outside of work. And the list of things that could fall into that bucket are way too many to name. But, you know, maybe their kids are struggling at school and they can't focus. Maybe their relationship is in trouble. Maybe they've got some health challenges. Maybe they're in some financial distress. Maybe they're the primary caregiver to an elderly parent and it's just really zapping them in, in a way that we can't fully understand unless we've been through that. And so we may not always be able to address the root causes of apathy for someone at work uh, if they are, in fact, being caused by circumstances outside of work. So as a leader, I think uh, what we're trying to help folks do is by understanding these causes of apathy, understand that you're not going to be in the position of fixing all of that. In Not every always. Thing, right? That's right. Um, moreover, what you can extend in lieu of fixing, mm-hmm. understanding, empathy, uh, and grace. Yeah. Right? What does that actually translate to? It tra- might translate to, hey, they need this project taken off their list or they need to leave you know, two hours early on a Friday, all of those things, right? It can be very specific or it could just be a generalized communication of understanding that you get it. We're all human and, and maybe taking a look at yourself and saying, okay, where, where am I, you know, being apathetic, what am I experiencing? Again, taking the opportunity to give yourself some grace Mm -hmm. as the boss and say, I might not be able to bring my A game every day Mm -hmm. and that's okay. That's okay. Right. And and I think the other lens through which we have to ask, we have to view it as leaders is to ask ourselves, is the way that this person is showing up, if they are apathetic, if they're lacking interest or enthusiasm, is it doing harm? And if the answer is yes, consistently over time, then you 
have cause to try to set some stronger boundaries or have more direct feedback conversations. Uh, you know, the, the, the caring almost switches in that circumstance from, you know, maybe at first I'm caring about the person over the position and I'm trying to be supportive and do everything that you just said and, and give them space and give them encouragement and connect them to resources and understand and coach. But there may come a point where this just isn't working. Because this person's circumstances, whether they're burned out or whether their morale is low or whether they don't feel like their work makes a difference or whether they've got something personal going on at home, where you actually have to say to someone, are you happy here? This is one of those boss scripts we gave out before. Mm -hmm. Or you may have to be even more direct and say, this can't continue. This isn't working. There is harm being done. And either the behavior has to change or the person in this role has to change. And all of that is legitimate. If there's harm being done, and if you've done all that you can to help move that person away from the root causes of their apathy, at least away from the ones that you can control and influence. Yeah, we've talked before about the um, establishment of a pattern, right? Being a telling sign of when you need to cross that line from the understanding to holding people accountable. Um, And I think that that's another good line of uh, connection to make in this particular conversation. Um, Because the, the thing is, we can sit in a place of burnout for a long time because some of us don't recognize that we're Mm -hmm. burned out, right. right? Our bodies might be telling us before our brains listen. Um, And so it's important uh, to have really strong communications about these pattern behaviors and what is actually harming um, pretty routinely because the tolerance that we each have and that the organization should have Mm -hmm. for apathy is going to be different. Yeah. And I think it, it's helpful to give folks this kind of, of inventory of root causes, because sometimes left to our own devices, we assume, well, people don't care or they're not motivated and I need to motivate them. Right. We just talked about this in the last episode. What do you believe about people? Do you believe that, okay, if they're not enthusiastic, then that means they don't care? Well, that's elementary, right? That's f- falsely right. reductive and it assumes something about their character that's probably unfair to assume versus, okay, I think most most people are, are pretty driven. Most people want to do a good job. And if I'm looking at someone who has previously been that person, then I have all the more proof and evidence that I need that, that that's the case. Then the question becomes, what's this about? Then I have to get curious and say, oh, well, what were we talking about on that episode of that podcast? They said it could be burnout, could be morale, could be purpose, or could be something personal. Let me try to get in there and check in with this person and, and connect and see if we can't do some work around some of those things, uh, offer some support, offer some resources, offer some services, um, or just offer a, a, a empathetic ear and yeah. see what that does for us. Um, and so I think that's a really a, a point really well taken. Yeah. And do your own self-inventory around this yeah. too. Yeah. Be honest with yourself. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, so we've talked a, a few times, Boss Heroes, uh, on here about this uh, Boss Better Leadership Academy subscription that we offer to organizations. And, and that whole model of apathy was a piece of a larger program we did for our subscribers a few months ago on overcoming apathy. Um, 
And anyway, our, our BBLA subscription provides all the leaders in an organization with bite-sized monthly programs from time to time from me. It also provides some monthly Q&A office hours where you can pop in and ask me questions. Uh, and we also have a, a digital vault full of training content that managers who are subscribed can access 24-7. And so uh, the whole program is really designed to help busy leaders keep showing up as better bosses. And so uh, if your organization is looking for an affordable way to provide ongoing year-round leadership development support to the managers uh, who work there, then and uh, this might be a good fit. And you can email us at hello at joemall.com and ask about that subscription and we can send you more information. In the meantime, um, are there other aspects to apathy that you want help with? Are there other questions you'd love to see us tackle? If so, just shoot us an email at bossbetternow at gmail.com and we might ask your question on the show and get you some answers. I don't know if they're going to be great answers. They're going to be our answers. We're not going to always have the answer. We might give you options. I think that's as best as we can promise people, Alyssa. Yes, agreed. And so we come once again to the C-Q-O-T-W, which is how the cool kids refer to the camaraderie question of the week. Bosses build camaraderie on teams by making it easier for people to find things in common with each other. That's why here on the show every week, we give you a question you can use at meetings to facilitate connection and build camaraderie. Alyssa, I can't wait to hear this. What was the worst style choice you ever made? All of them. <laughs> Anytime that I thought I could be in trend, that was that was the wrongness right there. Um, although I have to, in sticking with our Generation X um, theme of today, I have to say I had a particular affinity for genie pants. Or you might also know them as MC Hammer Pants. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> Was that an I Dream of Genie reference? Well, or, they, I, no, I, these, I don't, I can't be the only one that called them Genie Pants, I don't think. I'm not familiar with I'll, the term, unless you're referring to no. I Dream of Genie, which I don't no, think you are. So, so I am thinking about pants that were, you know, cotton and or like sometimes they were really shiny, silky, uh-huh, you uh-huh. know, whatever. Okay. And then um, they ballooned out from the hips yes. all the way down. But at the very end, in, they were like V-cut almost, at least huh. for women, okay, for girls in, in the – you know, 90s. <laughs> uh, it was. I like how 19, generic you made that. You made it a whole decade. The 1900s. <laughs> um, th- they were like V cut so that they came up and they showed your ankle and part of your, your calf. How salacious. Oh. <laughs> um, and, and pointed on the other, you know, side. Okay. Um, I did have a particular set because it was it was always a coordinating like mm-hmm. top and uh, pants that did give me like sailor slash genie vibes because it, <laughs> I think it had like uh, anchors on it. It was white and then it had like these gold and black emblems of like anchors or something like that. And then it had a big thick uh, black waistband, you know, the 
elastic, stretchy kind. And now, then were you into- trying to, to keep up with style at the time because you saw other people wearing this sort of thing? Or were you going out on your own as a trendsetter? Oh, dude. Uh, th- <laughs> so, first of all, you remember that I grew up in a town of like 600 people. So, when when I say trend or on yeah. style, that would have meant about two years post-actual Later. trend <laughs> is whenever it we got were there. on trend. Got it. Yes, okay. correct. That's when all we right. received the information. Yes. Yes. And so, when I received the information is when I subsequently made said transition yes. into whatever pegging so I, the I, jeans all oh yes oh well, that well yeah but that's coming back you know that right that, that right. is coming back i yeah, thought yeah. you were gonna say you you started pegging your jeans for the first time like two weeks ago because that's how long it took for the trend <laughs> to get to you <laughs> but you're right i mean the mc hammer pants um reference i get totally because yes uh you know Mid forties, totally get that reference, and remember that too. That that definitely had a moment, and it's funny because as you were describing them, I'm realizing that my daughter, who is eleven, actually has some pants like this now that are um, like really loose and kind of baggy, and it's all about comfort. But they have the cuffs at the bottom, and because um, now everything's going the other way, it used to be all skinny, and now it's all roomy again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, do you remember the um? The, the hydro, like the color yes. wave thing. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You put the hand print on one. the shirt. Yeah. Change colors. <laughs> that was so awesome. <laughs> Those are great. That's, oh, wow. Yeah. Total flashback. <laughs> okay. So now I need to hear what <laughs> yours are. Worst style choice. I, I, there's two I'm going to tell you about. So, okay. Have you ever, do you have a picture? from your childhood that that you just can't get away from like it keeps coming back like wherever you everywhere you turn for some reason you end up seeing this picture like you know for some reason it shows up in facebook memories and even though it was taken 20 years before facebook existed why is that on facebook or you see it at, at, at you know your parents house because it's in a frame or a photo album like it just you know it's on the wedding slideshow i have this picture of me uh as a i believe it was right at the end of my freshman year in high school or beginning of my sophomore year and I'm sitting in the backyard at my cousin's house. And so, like, what age is that? 15? Maybe? 14? Um, and I am sporting a mullet and a Motley Crue t-shirt. Yes! I was and hoping for a mullet. I really was. Yes. It was the ultimate. So this was like 1990, right? And or 1991, maybe. And... I'm sporting the the famous spiked mullet. So the front and the top is spiked, like with the goo. And then I've got the mullet coming down to like the lower part of the neck. And I'm wearing this Motley Crue t-shirt. And I remember feeling like I was completely in style at the time. And I look at that now and I'm like, oh, dude, that is just not working. Um, so that that's that's answer A. Answer B is that in grad school one summer after the 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 school year had finished and I was just doing like some I was still at a full-time position but it, it slowed down a lot in the summer um, a colleague friend of mine convinced me that we were going to shave our heads for the summer now he wore bald often and like a super low buzz cut or bald often and I never had and I was like, I could end up like, what What if it ends up being a really good look for me? How will I know until I try? And like when you try, you're like the summer where there's not as many people around and whatnot. That's a good idea. This was a terrible choice. 
This was an awful choice. I want you to imagine me without hair, but imagine if you took my head and you dipped the top of it in white paint. That's what it looked like. Because the skin under there has never seen the light of day, Alyssa. And when you shave it all off, it is gleaming snow white. Beacon. Becomes yes. a beacon. Yes. And as soon as I did it, I was like, oh, God, what did I do? And so needless to say. You see him a Q-tip. That's exactly. <laughs> I, I wore hats a lot that summer because as soon as I did it, I was like, oh, grow. Please, for the love of God, grow. And so that's why – is that why you're a hat collector? Because I never got to that. No, it, it, no. I've always worn hats. And you could probably tell I've always worn hats because of my receding hairline, right? You slap a hat on your head enough times for enough years. Eventually, that edge – those guys are going to surrender um, and start to, you know, <laughs> evacuate or retreat. Um, my receding hairline is a, a byproduct of too much hat wearing. I've worn hats since I was a, a you know kid. Um, but having – a significant hat collection came in quite handy in the summer in which I regrettably shaved my head. Oh, my. <laughs> so those are the two oh. worst style choices I have ever made. This was funny. My face hurts from laughing. <laughs> <laughs> we need to move on because it hurts. And that's the camaraderie question of the week. All right, friends, we wrap up today. With a boss script. Our boss script today is the first question a new boss should ask somebody that they are supervising for the first time. Now, this can go in a couple different directions. Maybe you are newly hired and you are introducing yourself to the team. And as you are connecting one-on-one -on -one with people, this is a question that is a great first question. Or maybe you've hired somebody new into your team and you've been supervising the other people there for a while, but this person is new. This question is a great first question that I think should be asked constantly. And the question is this, how are you feeling? Now, I know that sounds really simple and generic. But I love this question because of what tends to happen when we have a new person that we're supervising. Again, whether we're new to the team or whether they're new to our team, we tend to immediately dive into housekeeping or get to know you or here's what's coming up next or like generic stuff like how are you? And I really like this question. How are you feeling? Can you imagine sitting down? You've got a brand new hire. That's It's their first day. Uh, they've walked in. You're, you're the first appointment on their schedule. And they walk into the office and you, they sit down in the, in the chair at your desk and you sit down and you say, Alyssa, okay, how are you feeling? That's a different kind of question than maybe you would expect to get first. And what's going to happen next? If, if, if you just got hired by me, Alyssa, and it's a brand new job and this is your first day and you like you drove to the place and you figured out the parking and you found it and it's all new and you sit down in front of me and I say, Alyssa, how are you feeling? I'm going to go one of these. <sighs> well, actually... I'm really freaking nervous and oh my gosh, this has been so stressful and, da, 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 and then I'm going to word vomit all over you, whether <laughs> you're ready for it or not. I mean, maybe. That's an awesome start. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Or, you know, most people would go, 
I think there would be that pause where you kind of take that inventory and you're like, I'm good. How are you? Like some people might just go, I'm okay. How are you? Or some people might, some people may not do like the whole vulnerable thing like you described. They might not want to do that because they're afraid that people will think they're unprepared. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. they might just say, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. I'm good. And I think the beauty of this question is that it shows them what we care about first above all other things, which is them, their feelings, what's going on inside. And I think the value of this question becomes greater when we ask it again and again and again. So after, at the end of their first day, okay, you've gotten through this first day. How are you feeling? Because sometimes what we do is we say, what do you need? What questions do you have? Do you have anything that you're struggling with? Yeah. But to stop and say, let me check in with you. How are you feeling? I think it evokes a different kind of substantive concern and investment in how that person is moving through that experience. You, it issues this kind of directive that their feelings about anything are of concern and of care to you, right? And so- And are valid no matter what they are. Right. And so whenever people, yeah, you sure, not everybody's going to be like me and, you know, word vomit all over you. Some people (laughs) might might. be, (laughs) might be so, you know, uh, kind of programmed (laughs) to say, I'm good. How are you? I'm, you know, instead of really truly registering Mm -hmm. that you're asking about their feelings versus how are you? Like, it's not a greeting. Okay, this isn't a greeting of, hey, how you doing? No, 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 no. This is, how are you feeling? It's a whole different wavelength. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm reminded of a lot of the uh, MBTI workshops that I've done over the years, the Myers-Briggs type indicator. And uh, I will avoid going into a whole deconstruction of that instrument and its effectiveness. And uh, just to say that some people... um, like to make decisions based on relationships. So they're relationship focused versus some people like to make decisions based on logic and analysis. And so they they actually step back in a macro view kind of way. And so I would always do this exercise with groups that I was using MBTI with um, where I would say, what, what do you want your boss to ask you on your first day of work? And, you know, all of the, the um, people of one persuasion in the room who had one preference who are relationship focused would say, I want them to ask about me and how I'm doing and my family and what's important to me. And the people who are logic and analysis and kind of very sort of task driven would be like, I want them to to ask me what I need and then set me off to do what I need to do. And so we would always have these really interesting juxtapositions in the room where I would say to the to the logic and analysis group, well, how would you feel if the first thing your boss did on the first day was say, Listen, for the first 90 minutes today, we're going to go to Starbucks, and I just want to know everything about your family. I want to know about you. I want to, I want to know the story of you. You know, what's their reaction? Ah. Ah, like they're dying inside. They're like, no, no, that that is not the kind of relationship I want. I, that is That is uncomfortable. Versus... If they had said that to the group that was very relationship focused, they're going, oh, my goodness, this person like really cares about me. So people just experience that differently. And so I like this question because it it is a way to express to people of all persuasions that you care about them without creating discomfort for anyone. 
Yeah. People can take it or leave it yeah, and they can take it exactly. and, you know, run with it or they can say, okay, here you go. This is where I'm at. I'm cool with that. And it's an important person uh, question to ask when other new things happen. Maybe there's new directives, there's new change, there's new policies. Maybe there's a new uh, manager on the team and you're co-managing the team. And so, hey, okay, this person came in, we've made some changes. How are you feeling? You know, how are you feeling is a great first question in almost every circumstance. And I think you will get richer and deeper answers the more you ask it. The first time you Absolutely. ask it, it might just be, it might feel like a kind of cursory, surfacey. it's like, how are you doing? And people are just right. kind of programmed to answer in generic response. But the more you ask it and the more sincere you are about caring about the answer, I think the, the more power it has over time. Agreed. So ask it. If you're a new boss supervising new people in either direction, your boss script, the first question you can ask people, how are you feeling? That's a boss script. All right, friends, we have reached the end of the show this week. And one thing we would like you to know and that we would like to ask simultaneously is about reviews. Reviews are really important to podcasts. And so if you like our show, we would really appreciate it if you take a moment right now to leave us a review. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, they definitely take reviews. Uh, you just leave a comment in the box below the episode if you're watching on YouTube. But if you're on Apple, just look for the link that says write a review on the show page. On all other platforms like Stitcher and Spotify, and whatnot, uh, there are varying degrees of being able to leave a review or not. And so if you're listening on a platform where you can't leave a review there, then just post it somewhere else, like on LinkedIn or Facebook or write it on a piece of paper and tape it to a tree outside your house. We don't care. We're grateful for any nice thing you have to say about our show. In the meantime, thank you for listening and take care of yourselves out there, friends. This show is sponsored by Joe Mall and Associates. Remember, commitment comes from better bosses. Visit joemall.com today.